I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson and Uh, One of the most important things that uh, I think took place over the weekend uh, was a statement by President Joe Biden uh, on Armenian Remembrance Day and how just a single word, just a single word uh, can make such a difference uh, in so many things. So just to get some perspective in terms of uh, what this term meant and what it means uh, to the people of Armenia and Armenians around the world and here in the United States of America, I want to go to a a quick clip here from uh, Hussan Alhubra. Uh, talking about what this really means in terms of the relationship to Armenia, the 1915 genocide. It's a story more than 100 years old. For Turkey, it's a chapter that's turned. But for the United States and other members of the international community, Turkey must apologize for the events that started in 1915. That was when Ottoman Turks deported hundreds of thousands of Armenians from eastern Anatolia to the Syrian desert. But what happened and how many were then killed remains disputed. So looking at over one and a half million Armenians that were deported, massacred or marched to their deaths uh, in a campaign of extermination. uh, Just thrilled to have joining us uh, on the line today, Aaron Sherinian. Uh, who is a member of the Armenian-American community, former U.S. diplomat stationed in Armenia for three years. Uh, His portfolio then uh, included the relationships among the Armenian diaspora, the Armenian government, and the U.S. State Department. Uh, Also has a personal connection to that in that his uh, grandparents fled the genocide. And uh, he may be the best connected person in the world. He may just be the best person in the world. Aaron, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Boyd. I think you may have the best listeners in the world, so I'm so happy to be here with y'all. Well, this is such an important uh, thing over the weekend uh, as it relates to the Armenian-American community and and others around the world. Uh, As you heard that, as you read the statement by President Joe Biden, uh, just give us your reaction. What was your response uh, for you and, and for the community? Boyd, you, you put it so well in, in introducing the story, a single word that has been talked about, debated over, and and, and really uh, the focus of a huge conversation because it's a single word with millions of stories. So my first reaction when the news started coming around that the president would make this statement 
was really about those stories. And for many people who reached out to me and my family over the weekend, they they asked if this was closure. And I think the fact that the White House, that the U.S. government is is calling what happened, what it was, genocide, the deliberate killing of a large number of people from you know a particular ethnic group, um, I think is the almost the opposite of closure in many ways. I hope it's an opening of the stories and the storytelling and some action around what are the genocides around us. So that's a little bit about what happened. But for us, it's not as if the use of the word closes those stories. I hope it just brings them to the fore. Yeah, it it really is not uh, the beginning of the end of this discussion. It, It really should just be the end of the beginning uh, of this kind of discussion in so many communities and so many places around the world. Uh, you posted something on your Facebook over the weekend. Uh, I shared this quote during our noon news uh, with Maria Chaleos, uh, and I just have to read it again because uh, you talk about the stories that all of these lives uh, that were lost in the genocide represent. Uh, so I just want to quote this is from William uh, Saro. Uh, Saroyan, excuse me, uh, he said, I should like to see any power of the world destroy this race, this small tribe of unimportant people whose wars have all been fought and lost, whose structures have crumbled, literature is unread, music is unheard, and prayers are no longer answered. Go ahead, destroy Armenia, see if you can do it. Send them into the desert without bread or water, burn their homes and churches, then see if they will not laugh, sing, and pray again. A lot of stories in there. Absolutely. And that that quote from Saroyan is one that any Armenian will have heard around their dinner table or living room millions of times. And I imagine that for a lot of your listeners in Utah, where there's a sizable and an important Armenian-American community, you know, there's there's history between the Armenian-Americans and and Utah and that, that history is shared. But I imagine that other people have heard that story as well, because Today, those memories of what it means to be oppressed and what it means to come out of oppression is one that should be intermingled with, with hope for what's coming next. You know, our, our family's survival story is really a survival story about sisterhood and friends that banded together. And every time I hear that Saroyan quote, I think about the people who created a new Armenia, and that means community, wherever they were, but also by bringing their local hosts into the story into the into the picture and and into the future uh, I love that one of the things that uh, President Biden said in his statement over the weekend he said over the decades Armenian immigrants have enriched the United States in countless ways but they have never forgotten the tragic history that brought so many of their ancestors to our shores uh, Aaron share just a little bit uh, your grandparents uh, came from Armenia as part of that tragic uh, events uh, during the genocide. Uh, just give us a little glimpse into their story and what that means for you. I'd, I'd love to share it. And again, my story is a story of, of survival by sisterhood. There were, yeah. uh, and by sisterhood, I mean friends. Um, there were the, the men were taken away from the communities in Turkey uh, when uh, when when the genocide happened. And in our particular family, my grandmother's um, uh, father and my grandfather's father were both taken away. So these two women are left stranded, uh, you know, widowed. They knew at that point that they were widowed. And as friends, they banded together and they hid and there were generous people around them. Philanthropies, yes, like the American Red Cross, but also just philanthropists, people who were generous and who hid them. And then faith groups, uh, missionary groups from 
the United States and the other parts of the world chipped in money so that these people could come out of hiding. And these two women who really bonded as sisters while their families hid together, uh, they survived. They created that Armenia while in hiding. They created it while they had to farm off their children to different Greek families so that they could be hid. And then as they came over on the boat from Turkey over to Ellis Island, uh, you know, little did we know that two of their children would write to each other and become sweethearts and eventually, uh, you know, years and years later, marry and become wow. my grandfather and grandmother. So that Armenia happened when they were hidden. That happened when they were in the boat. And it happened when they came together. Always proud to be Americans and Armenians. And I think about both my grandparents with their Armenian and American lapel pin, uh, you know, flags. Uh, on their coats or on their blazers or wherever they went, uh, always it. happy to be home, both in America and as, as an Armenian. Yeah, and it really is about community, isn't it? First, last, and always uh, family, community, that connection. Uh, and as you said, Aaron, this is uh, this should not be the beginning of the end of this discussion. It really should just be the end of the beginning. But a, uh, a great day, a great announcement by President Joe Biden uh, over the weekend on Armenian Remembrance Day. Uh, Aaron, thanks so much for joining us today. Always appreciate your perspective and the great connections and the great work you do uh, throughout the world. Thanks so much. Thanks for helping us share these stories. Thanks, Boyd. All right. Again, that's Aaron Sharini. And it is about community. It is about connection. It is about coming together uh, and getting things done. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to have Scott Howell join us to talk about what is working and what is not working when it comes to homeless issues here in the state of Utah. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.